brought to you with the natural goodness of Viridian Nutrition, available at Browns. I'm Trudy Kerr and welcome to The Interviewer. In this series, I talk to artists, campaigners, men and women of influence, musicians, performers, sportsmen and women, politicians, businessmen and women, and anyone who shapes the fabric of our society. My guest today began her career as a marketing manager at an advertising agency, Lighthouse Communications, in 2005. After a range of enviable positions in 2020, my guest joined forces to launch GRO, a boutique marketing and PR agency. Passionate about communication, whether it's written, audio or video format, my guest thrives on helping people communicate their story effectively. Last year, this passion prompted my guest to start her own podcast, The Good Chat, which I myself have been a guest on. This mother of two, wife and entrepreneur, always seems to be busy, but has found time to be on The Interviewer. Welcome, Davinia Malia Poulet. How are you? Thank you so much, Trudy. As everyone says, what an intro, because everyone, when I listen to (laughs) it, I'm saying what an intro, and it's true. Um, thank you so much for having me. You, you're so welcome. But, uh, but also, I will just say, it was an intro that I researched. I looked into you. I've been studying you. And I had a stab at describing you. But how would you describe you? Very good question. Um, I think the, the passionate about communication is something that I've realized I have. I've, I, I realized late that I have it. I've always kind of had it and thought everyone was passionate about communication, whether it's writing, you know, um, in audio, as I said, or video. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm, I think that's, that sums me up. I'm really passionate about communication. I'm passionate about discussing, debating things, you know, and that also spurred me to, to, to launch the podcast. I just love analyzing and discussing subjects and getting to know people more and also showcasing different sides of people. You know, I love like the fact that people have different facets, you know, and, and I love delving into that. And that's what the podcast was all about. Well, before we go into the podcast and look at that, let's start off with your career because you do have a stunning resume, but marketing and communications has trained, changed dramatically in the last 17 years since you joined the industry. And since I came to Malta, I came to Malta as a creative director for an agency here. Would you say that we are now up to date with the rest of the world because when I came here 17 years ago, it was a bit of a shock. And where do you feel Malta has assets in terms of communication and areas from improvement? Indeed. I mean, when, when I was working at an advertising agency 15, 16 years ago, obviously there was no social media, there was no internet marketing, there was nothing of that. But still, as you say, we weren't possibly on par maybe with the international um, scene also because of economies of scale, right? So budgets. Unfortunately, it takes the same amount of technical expertise, um, sort of resources and everything to produce maybe a, a TV commercial that you'd produce in the UK, but the economies of scale, the budgets of clients would not be those of the UK. So obviously the quality would suffer. However, we have come a long way with um, expertise and resources, you know, and, and managing to produce very, very, very good quality um, productions, whether it's audiovisual or print, whatever it is. So yes, I believe we, ha- I believe we do. Ha- we have come a long way. Let me say I'm have- nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Ma'am. no, definitely, it's me. <laughs> it's me. It must be the whiskey talking. Yes. Um, you talked about 17 years. We talked about, uh, you just mentioned back there that 17 years ago, there was no social media. When I started in design, because I trained as a graphic designer, worked in graphic design right up until very recently, there wasn't even the internet. And I can remember trying to explain this to graphic design students when I was teaching them uh, for an MCAST and preparing them for, for the industry. Those foundations of communications, marketing, design, principles are incredibly important. And it doesn't matter how much social media there is. You can't replace those foundations. I agree. I think the principles all still stand, you know, the principle, I mean, it, it's all people, right? We're communicating with people, whether it's through social media, whether it's through traditional media, we're communicating to people. So we always have to keep that in mind. You know, the, the psychology aspect of, of marketing is there. The principles are all there. You know, you have to connect with your audience. Now, it might be connecting through Facebook or through Instagram or through TikTok, but you still have to connect. Your, your message still has to come through. So I think, yes, the principles do still stand. Obviously, the, the platforms, the channels have changed along the years. But do you think, because a USP and a unique selling point mm -hmm. is a unique selling point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It had its place mm -hmm. and its value 20 years ago and it has its place and its value now and a demographic you want to talk to this particular audience but do you think everybody gets that because social media has made it so acceptable to go out there and blast social media with a campaign that is or isn't successful yes no def definitely there you really hit the nail of the on the head because unfortunately because social media is something that sort of is intuitive and maybe someone who's not a marketer can do um, and I'm not saying, listen, you know, don't don't try and do it. But if you have your business and you you're trying to run social media ads and you don't have maybe the experience and expertise, you might be wasting money because, like you're saying, you might be targeting the wrong people. You might be using the wrong objective in your campaign. You might be not using all the tools like retargeting tools, you know, and the right CTA, call to action, the right, as you're saying, the right design, maybe the right you know, if, if you have a visual or a video, you might not be using, you know, something that would resonate with your audience. So you're 100% right there that social media has made it easier maybe to, to sort of create content and run ads. But at the same time, it still obviously takes a, a, a really well thought out strategy to run it effectively, you know, and that is maybe where some businesses, some brands give up. They try social media, they try it their way. They say, OK, this didn't work, so I'm going to give up. But the truth is with social, the beauty of social media is in terms of marketing is that you can experiment. You can start with a small budget, then you can scale up as long as you find, you know, you know what I'm talking about, the right formula when it comes to the call to action, the targeting, you know, you find that, that sweet spot, right? So you say, OK, my, my return on investment on this is great, so I'm going to keep putting more budget on this campaign because it's giving me the return. Whereas, OK, this other campaign, I'm going to pause it and I'm not going to run it. It's not like we used to. You know, in my time, as I said, run a TV campaign, spend tens of thousands of euros and you don't know, you know, you, you don't know what's happening. You know, I think social media has made advertising more accessible to smaller brands as well. I could sit here and listen to you for hours because your <laughs> knowledge and understanding and expertise, but passion for what you do is so clearly visible and it's really exciting. So tell me. What are the areas of your job that really get you out of bed in the morning? And there must be areas of your job that you just, you want to hit the snooze button. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. That that client's come up, you've got a job to do, and you're like, oh, 
just one more. Honestly, the snooze button, it's accounts. <laughs> as you know, as a business owner, you know, you have to take care of the admin and the accounts and, you know, it has to be done. And that is something that obviously is, is kind of mind numbing. So, but obviously it has to be done. It's a very, very important part of the business. And you said, what, what part do I prefer, right? The, the part, I think the creation part. Like I'm really like excited when it comes to like building a strategy. Like for a client, that is my sweet spot, a proposal for a client. I just could literally just sit there and create it. And it's really exciting. You set up Grow with your friend, Kira Melly in the middle of the pandemic. In the middle of the pandemic. So how did that come about? Because that's not normally what people would do in the middle of a pandemic. And how has it worked out? In fact, she's in reality... She's she was my client. Um, we're not, we actually haven't weren't fr- we became friends like through the partnership. So basically, she was so my ex one of the companies who who I used to work for actually was my first client when I went freelance, and she was the the head of marketing there um, in that time. So I worked with her on certain projects as kind of she was my client, and we really hit it off. And then after about a year or, or so, she left and she started her own freelance business. And we started collaborating. Like we started collaborating on projects. She ropes me in when she has a big project. I rope her in when I have a big project. We didn't kind of plan to launch Grow in, a, in the pandemic. We had actually been kind of working towards it. We, we officially launched Grow, G-R-O, um, in, in 2020, yes, in the midst of the pandemic. We even like employed someone at the time in, in, during the pandemic, which was crazy. But we survived. That's Perfect. a pandemic success story. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously a lot of work pre-pandemic as well. Obviously, there was a lot of groundwork going on pre-pandemic. And, you know, it's... Yes, but, but Divinia, a lot of people are uh-huh. digging down during the pandemic and they're being careful for, for obvious reasons. And there you are going, OK, now we're going to launch. This is the time. <laughs> Let's go for it. Which is very unexpected. And I'm thrilled that it turned out to be a success. Yes. Now, you talked about that and you've talked about your passion about marketing. But on top of that, of course, you are also a wife and mother of two. And I'm dumbfounded to work out how you can fit all of this into your schedule. Even me. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I do it. I think it's a matter of when you're in it, you just do it. I think even before I had kids, I used to think I was busy. You know, I think we all we always kind of we always adapt to our situation. You know, I, I was always someone who kind of took on quite a lot. To be honest, I'm learning now that you have to also take care of burning out and you have to take care of balancing your life, you know, kind of as you go you along. you also have to take care of the people around you as well. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I mean, I look, when it comes to my family, I am lucky in a way, I guess. Um, how do I explain it? So I, I was actually, when I had my kids, I was still employed. So I was employed with a big importer. I was employed there as sales and brand manager for five and a half years. And after the first year, I remember I got pregnant, or second year, I'm not sure exactly the timing, but basically I got pregnant, and um, I remember I, I was working obviously full-time there, and I remember I went up to my boss, and I said I was pregnant, and I asked, I was the first female manager to be pregnant, and, um, and I asked my boss, I told him, when I come back from maternity leave, I'd like to be on um, full-time, but flexible hours, so I want to work till two from the office, and the rest from home. And this is pre-pandemic, so this is, this is kind of really not even thought yes, of then. Yes, this was back in 2015, 
2013, no, 2013, my daughter was born, 2013. This is brave. This was back in 2013. But I always, I always told myself that I would have a balance between um, having, like spending time with my children and working because I wanted to be there with my kids. And I believed that I could make the sacrifices to make sure that I'm there. To me, I, would n I have absolutely no regrets. I have absolutely no regrets. Absolutely no regrets. I and I'm I assuming that your husband as well was perfectly my supportive. So, that's another thing. My husband on a Friday was a day where um, no one could take care of my kids in the morning. So my husband used to take the morning off. And he used to take care of my daughter at the time. Um, and I remember he used to even, for example, he's, a, he's an architect. So he used to go to a MEPA meeting with her in the sling <laughs> and, you know, take her with him as a baby. Or he used to, you know, go on site visits with, 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 with her as a baby. So we made it work. As I said, it's, yes, it's obviously I, I should have mentioned him in the beginning, but he, he helps a lot. You know what I learned being a mom? You become so much more efficient. So basically I realized that... Maybe the, the work I used to do between nine and six, when I used to, before I had kids, I literally almost managed to squish it between nine and two thirty because I stopped going for coffees to the kitchen. I stopped speaking to people. I was maybe like looked like a real snob because colleagues used to come to me and speak to me, and I used to tell them I'm doing something. I'm at the deadline, and maybe it wouldn't be true, but I just you literally become so efficient. In reality. With tech, look, this is why I love technology as well. Because now with my business, if I'm with the kids and, for example, they're doing their homework, I'm on my phone. If I have an email and it's important, I just reply to it. Well, you know what I mean? So it's not like you have to be sitting down at the office to work. You know, it's it's very different. Well, now that leads me nicely onto my next question, because technology is both a positive, but it's also invasive. Yes, and we have an issue in our society now that we didn't have maybe 20, 25 years ago, whereby most of us are available all the time. You have just talked about an extremely busy schedule. Davinia, when is your me time? Good question. Um, look, I'll be honest with you. The day I decided to employ people was the best decision I made. Because as a freelancer, it all falls on you. And you literally, even if, if you want a holiday, if you have campaigns running, you know, you can't stop them because you're going on holiday. So when, when you're on your own, um, it's, it's tougher. So that's when I, had, I remember taking the decision to employ my first person. Yes, it would have meant earning less, especially in the beginning. Yes, I took a cut. You know, you take a cut financially, but that's where the quality time comes in. So I would have rather get, earn less. And maybe, yes, in the beginning, you get the scraps. Your employees get paid and you get the scraps. But I, I just value so much quality of life that that was like the best decision I made. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm talking like this because maybe people who have their own business get inspired. Maybe they're scared to employ people, you know. And But honestly, like it, it, it really helps because when you have a team, you know, you can really kind of complement each other when it comes to the quality, the quality of your life. And me time. It's a good question. Obviously, um, there are seasons, right? So you have, especially in marketing, as you know, like October, November, I always burn out because it's Christmas, Black Friday. It's, it's, it's all, I literally like always think it's going to be okay. But every year, if I, it's literally always, so now I just accept it. It's just a season where I burn out. But in reality, I try, I really do try and balance the, the cliche word balance. I mean, I've, I, started, I recently started yoga on a Saturday morning. 
and it's not the stretchy yoga. It's like this really like more like meditation yoga. And it's amazing. It's like amazing. It just really zins me out. And working out. That's my, I love working out. And that is my stress reliever as well. I, I think working out is an amazing way to keep up your mental health as well in terms of stress, you know, when you're very busy. But again, like it, something always takes over when it comes to the kids. You always, there's always this FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. You're always like, okay, I'm missing out. I'm doing a workout, but I should be cooking for my kids, right? It's, it's, it's not easy, but I think we need to be a happy mom is the best thing for the kids. You know what I mean? Like, and self-fulfilled. Like, I really think that when a woman is self-fulfilled, like she'll, if she has a creative talent or whatever it is, like if, if she's fulfilling that, it doesn't have to make millions, but you know, if she's fulfilling that, you know, I think she's better, she's going to be better with her children, with her family, you know, rather than someone who maybe is bitter because I gave up all this, Davini, you just mentioned it a moment ago in the answer to the question about me time. You mentioned mental health. But COVID must have had an impact on family life and your ambitions as well. I heard that you personally have been touched by the pandemic in your own family at one point and spent time in quarantine. Do you mind me asking, how did that affect you and your family? Let's leave work aside for the time being because it sounds like work grew anyway so look i i see myself as lucky in a way because in two years it happened once but what it, it, i really realized that it's just not normal for us to stay inside and in those two weeks it's funny because i kind of accepted it in those two weeks i just you know went through it and i wasn't even that you know bothered about staying home it's when i got out that i felt really anxious because I felt like I was doing something wrong. Like, okay, should I like go to the hairdresser? Should I? I felt like it was something unnatural to go out because I was so used to that safety net of being inside of like, oh yeah, you know, if someone invites me, I, I'm in quarantine. If someone does it, I'm in quarantine. So then suddenly, like after those two weeks, I'm like, okay, I'm out again. I have to face life again. So it's like, it's, it's very, it's very strange. You know, it's like after I felt like anxious about going out. I mean, then obviously it's, it settles, but also, I mean, even I think one issue that that can be a problem is when you have like I've had friends who have, have co had COVID and they have kids and you have to wear the mask and you know if you're next to your kid you have to wear the mask and wash your hands all the time and you can't use the same bath and that I think that can really cause a lot of anxiety can trigger maybe even long lasting mental health issues because it's 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 very not normal you know not not to hug your children or be next to your children you know it's 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 all unnatural right it's, I think all this is really really unnatural I'm not saying we shouldn't do it because I guess I don't know to be honest it's it's I'm not an expert I'm not a medical expert but I, I think if this quarantine I think what should have been done would be to provide some more mental health support for people in quarantine we invested a lot in the physical aspect right you get vaccinated you get this, this, this but I feel like maybe there should have been more of an investment in the mental aspect of calling people who are in quarantine are you okay do you need to talk to someone you know like maybe a counselor a psychologist you know I mean you need to I, I mean I mean I really think, you think just listening to you saying mm -hmm. that what you're describing there, mm -hmm. whether it be on a major or minor mm -hmm, scale, mm -hmm. is post-traumatic yes, stress. Yes, yes. Post, you, you walked out and wondered mm -hmm. whether or not you should <laughs> be doing what you're doing. <laughs> that is post-traumatic stress. And, this, and the, the weird thing is, OK, I have a family. I was my family at home. Can you imagine people living alone? I think there, there, I mean, I'm very passionate about mental health because I feel that there's a long way we need to go. Okay, I, I really think it's nothing to be, you know, like, it's just our health. 
you know. So I think it's like really important to to create awareness and reduce the stigma. You know, if you if you're feeling something, you know, get help. I, I think it's really really important that we create more awareness about it. Especially, I think now the good thing actually is that a lot of people touched, like maybe people who would have never gone through mental health issues and they went through this loneliness of maybe now they can maybe empathize with people who are really you know maybe struggling for lo from long term mental health issues before pandemic. So maybe they can be more because of this. It could be a positive side. I actually look at the positive, <laughs> the positive side. So it could be like listen, there's more awareness, you know, and maybe. Well, that's exactly what I was going to ask mm -hmm. you. I was going to ask you if if you could identify two things that came out of the mm -hmm. pandemic, one good and one bad, you're saying that the, that the good side of the pandemic is that people are more open to talking about mental health. I think health. so. I think so. And I think people are appreciating nature more. I think people are appreciating going out more, appreciating each other more, appreciating communicating more. And I, I want to go back to the point where you mentioned about how COVID hit like me as a mom as well, because there was also the homeschooling part of it, which was a nightmare. I mean, it was a nightmare, especially trying to trying to work at the same time. It was just honestly, I think that was probably tougher than quarantine, because it it um, it was it's just not normal for kids. And I noticed my kids; they didn't complain. But again, then when they were in school, they were totally like I realized how much better their attitude was and all that when they were back in school. My son, I mean, he was he was four when the pandemic started. Now he's six. Can you imagine? Like, and my daughter was six now she's eight i mean these these kids you know they, they went through two years you know formative years of, of the pandemic and to be honest we really try in our household not to complain not to talk about like not to complain about masks not to complain about anything so there they don't complain at all but subconsciously you notice the difference when they're in school and when they're not in school like i mean my son i picked him up the first day they were back after the lockdown and he was like, I said, how, how was school? Because my mouth was great with his mask. He, well, they were in the mask all day. They're wearing their mask all day and they don't complain. They they prefer to being at home. Like they're, they're so happy to be in school. It's, it's where they should be. I mean, so thank God we didn't have to close schools again. Kids are great like that, aren't they? Though? Because they will adapt yes. to the situation. Yes. But I... they feed off your energy as well. So we have to be careful not to talk negatively in front of them because they will feed off that. And I'm thankful for my husband because he's more, this is the more relaxed one out of sometimes like too much. <laughs> so we balance each other out. But I really learned from him in the sense that they really feed off your energy. If you're dancing away at home and not even, like even when we're in quarantine, they didn't even realize in the beginning we're in quarantine. We just didn't go out in the beginning. And then at the end, obviously, we kind of spoke about it. But, you know, it, 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 I think they really feed off our energy. It's very important to be mindful of that. You also set up, alongside your business during the pandemic, you also set up your podcast. So how and why did that come about? What was the motivation for that? I think it was just a crazy, crazy moment of mine. Um, to be honest, I've, I've been thinking of this podcast for two years and... Um, I always, I, I, I'm, as I said, I'm very passionate about empowering people and I feel that out there on now it's improving with you with with other podcasts around that um the content out there is always very negative very heavy very um you know i mean news is just unfortunately only bad news gets reported you know someone died someone did this pandemic the cases the hospitalized it's like negative you open your social media and it's negative and i just wanted to create something where People, where it's not fluffy, where people, and honestly, like this was before your podcast, and now I'll come to it. Um, because when you launched your podcast, I said, okay, I don't need to do it because someone's doing it. I swear, I <laughs> Listen, swear. Listen, I have Tess to blame swear. for my podcast. No, but I swear, she honestly, made me do it. honestly, because 
I had interviewed, in fact, Yasmin. Um, she's, she's a wellness expert and now she's CEO of Shireman as well. Anyway, but I had interviewed her and it was all about wanting to like put positive role models out there that people can look up to, not just the usual people being interviewed, you know, like, and not just fluffy questions like what you're wearing or what you're doing. You know, I wanted to kind of go into deeper conversations. And I remember you posting that you were starting an interview series. And I messaged you, I remember. I don't know if you remember this. But I messaged you, said, yes, I'm so happy. Like, someone yeah, I like do, you. I is. do remember. And I remember, and I thought to myself, I sort of lost my mojo. I think about, I don't need to do it anymore. So I lost a bit of inspiration there because I said, if she's, I don't need to do it. But then I said, you know what? Then I turned 40. And I don't know. Um, I think most people go through this, that they want to do something. And they feel like when they turn 40, they're like the last chance to do it. So I felt like if I don't do it now, like I'm going to feel bitter and kind of, you know, like I really wanted to try and do it, you know. And I and honestly, like, again, I got a bit burnt out in the process because it's it's easier. It's, it looks easier than it is because it's a lot, a lot of work. And I did seven episodes the first season, you know, a small, you know, season. And hopefully I'll come back with season two soon. But I need to kind of recover from season one first. <laughs> but I'm sure it will come because then the kind of I get the inspiration. I say, OK, I just get that like feeling of inspiration. I just have to do it. You know, it's like my, you know, I love, as I said, I love creating. So it's my, you know, my kind of creative outlet as well at the same time. Well, it is an utter privilege and opportunity to interview I mean you must have felt this you know this you're an excellent interviewer but you do get that opportunity to look into somebody else's life and learn from their experiences some experiences that you would only find out about during an interview when somebody is comfortable enough to share them but what have you learned through your own podcast what have been what have been the elements that have touched you the things that made you stop and go wow it's a very, very, very good question. It's, it was quite interesting to see that um, the stronger people, you know, maybe the more successful people are not scared to show that they had failures and, 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 and they are vulnerable, you know, and that, and I really am happy about that because I really feel that out there, again, I'm very passionate about what we see out there, like that we see so much perfection, you know, on social media, everyone's perfect, everyone has this perfect life with perfect outfits and perfect hair and perfect eyes and per everything's perfect, you know? So then listening to someone, where they came from, you know, and what they went through, I think it's so important for people to see that, listen, not people didn't just, you know, weren't just born and they were successful, they, they had to work hard at it, you know, and they are real people, they're not anything more or less than you, you can do what they do, you know, and I think that is, that is what I wanted to come across to people, and I think it, it I, I hope it did, you know, I think the feedback you described, was quite good. You just described an incredible irony, the news thrives mm. on bad stories, negativity, and we know this, it's the nature of tabloid, tabloid is, will be even way back in before yes, the internet, yes. the algorithms of us the, watching the magazines, television, exactly, the magazines, the headlines, is because yeah. of exactly because of bad news. Yes, but what you also then described is the constant feeding in through social media of perfection, which is filtered. This is individuals filtering out the bad news. Yes, yeah. and what you then yeah. have said is that, that what you found most refreshing is finding that 
path in the middle where you acknowledge the good and the bad. Uh, yes, yes. And I think that's balance. Yes, Is yes, that I, not just balance? Ex, that's right. That's I right. get so tired of watching filtered oh videos or filtered photos and, and just knowing Perfection. that's not the Perfection, truth. Yes. And I, I really feel like the people I mostly want to resonate with, to be honest, is, is the, teen, the teens. But I probably don't resonate with them because I'm not their age. But those are the people that I feel really need to see, to listen to your podcast, you know, to, to listen to real life, real life stories, real success stories, because they are so influenced and, and so, you know, seeing a lot of perfection out there. And maybe they're not educated enough about, you know, what to filter themselves, you know, f from what they see. And unfortunately, like, you can't really blame as well these influencers because, you know, kind of if everyone's doing it and everyone's looking like this, and it's, it's, it's a really horrible kind of vicious cycle, you know, it's, it's just... It's just where it is now. It was what Photoshop was on magazines before, right? They used to... Well, yes and no, but I mean, I, yes, I agree with yeah, you. We always yeah. had Photoshop. Yeah. Um, however, however, we didn't have social media. We did not... I count myself as extremely fortunate to have grown up in a time before social media, mm -hmm. before these pressures. I'm a bit, I'm a bit like 50-50 on that because yes, there's the, let me tell you why, um, maybe because I'm a social media nerd, but um, there is the negative of social media, but I think when you follow um, the, like certain maybe people who do have positive messages, like I do think that in my teens, if I followed certain people that maybe I follow now who have obviously are positive role models, I would have learned more because as you said, there's a positive and negative side. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure about that. Um, but I just feel I would have wanted to be more educated. Like I want to educate people now. I mean, it's especially girls. I mean, even boys, I don't want to be kind of, um, you know, discriminatory or anything. But girls, there's so much pressure, you know, to look perfect. And like you said, the filters, you know, no blemish, no anything. And can you imagine always posting with your filters and then going out to meet people and you look, you know, beautiful because you're you, but you don't look like what you looked like oh, on your I've stories. You I've know? met people that don't look anything yeah. like their Instagram. Yes, yes, yes. It's quite shocking. It is. But can you imagine teenagers? You know, like young people, like maybe older people can take it. You know, they know what they're doing. But I think when you're young and impressionable, it's really tough. Like, like, as you said, it's very tough. I know I'm speaking like I'm contradicting myself a bit when it comes to social media, but I, I, there is a positive side to it, I think. No, I, mm -hmm. I completely agree. And I love social media. But I'm glad that I grew up yes. without the pressure of social True. media. True. Davinia, please, please, please do come back with the good chat because I've loved your Thank show. You. It's been absolutely brilliant. And I'm wishing you the massive best for Grow and for your team and for seeing your way growing out of this COVID pandemic. I'm thrilled that you grew through it and are continuing to grow and thank you so much for being on the interviewer thank you so so much for having me it's been lovely i loved it <laughs>